Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast and refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information prior to listening to this podcast. Hello, I am Karsten Menke, Head of Next Generation Research at Julius Baer in Zurich. Today, I'm joined by Chris Irvin, one of our precious metals traders in Singapore, and we'll spend some time discussing the outlook for gold in 2021. Hello, Chris. Hello, Carson. Chris, before we look ahead into 2021 and beyond, let's do a quick recap of this uh, extraordinary year of 2020 for gold. Was this actually the most exciting year ever in the gold market based on your experience as a trader? Yeah, 2020 was a really a surreal year for all financial markets, but in the precious metal space, it really forced me to adapt quickly. I also traded through global financial crisis and I saw the 2011 bull market for metals. So this was really another level. 2019 as well had already been a good year. Markets were preparing for the cyclical slowdown in the US, nominal and real interest rates in the US had topped out and people were really beginning to call an end of the US dollar bull market. So the scene for gold was really set. Yeah, fully agree. I mean, this is something uh, people tend to forget if they look back, right? The fundamentals in the gold market were already good before. And we from Julius Baer, we expected more upside for prices in 2020. But of course, I mean, all our expectations were, of course, were turned upside down as the corona crisis unfolded, which provided much more upside to uh, gold than we previously thought. Yeah, I remember initially uh, in March, gold suffered from a heavy capitulation uh, for selling, which is the typical reaction we get at these kind of shocks. Despite gold being a typical safe haven, it was quickly liquidated in portfolios and spot actually dropped down towards 1450 on this very quickly. Yes, true. There was this um, capitulation phase in, in spring, which was followed by these huge inflows into gold, right? Uh, primarily in the form of physically backed products. And at some point, we reached a thousand tons. That is about, uh, let's say, a quarter of, of annual supply. We had 11 consecutive months of inflows, which is more than we had during the great financial crisis, more than we had during the Eurozone debt crisis. So for us, gold really underpinned its status as a safe haven. What is remarkable, almost all of these flows, they came from uh, Western world investors. But how did it look like in Asia, Chris? Did you see the same kind of flows as well? Well, it's interesting. China began the pandemic lockdowns before most countries around the world. This was just ahead of last year's Lunar New Year, which was particularly early. So this led to a real anemic demand onshore for gold in China in a month, which is usually sees really strong seasonality. So over the course of the year as well, the onshore Shanghai gold price dropped from a positive to a extremely under the international price. And also after this, India also initiated one of the world's heaviest lockdowns. So that also led to onshore demand drop off. True. Yeah. Almost almost forgot about India, right? So demand really plummeted uh, there. Another remarkable thing, actually, in terms of, of flows, I would say, is that they continued as the pandemic seemed to be under control in summer and prices reached the record highs only in late summer. So from my perspective, this really suggests that gold at that stage was driven by more than just this short-term impact of the corona crisis, this short and sharp recession uh, we saw back then. So it really looks like the focus of the gold market shifted 
to the potential long-term consequences of this crisis. Even higher government debt levels, even higher central bank balance sheets as a consequence of these massive stimulus measures which were put in place to fight the fallout from the corona crisis. So in short, it really looks like this money printing narrative gained traction last summer. Absolutely right. This really was, again, inflow into hard assets. You just have to look at other assets such as cryptocurrencies and then what's going on in equities. True, yeah. There was uh, everything was rallying basically, so not just just gold, the typical kind of safe haven. Silver as well, right? So silver outperformed in summer, and this is, from my perspective, really a very very telling example. Given that uh, silver has quite a few industrial applications, so more than half of silver demand is industrial, and because of that, it is not a safe haven in times of economic crisis. However. Silver would be a safe haven in case of a monetary crisis. True. So if today's monetary system was about to break, then silver would stick out as well. So again, from a trader's perspective, how do you see the interplay between gold and silver? Uh, last year, I really found useful was uh, what I would call a barometer in the precious metals market, which is the gold-silver ratio. Basically, this is the price of one ounce of gold in silver ounces. So from a trader's perspective, a general rule of thumb would be that if this ratio is rising, precious metals markets are moving lower. And if the ratio is moving lower, then it's vice versa. The market will be rallying. Interesting. I would often watch the pace of this ratio to see if we would be in for a period of heightened volatility. So right now, we are trading around 72 to 74 since the start of this year. But in the extreme sell-off within markets in March, this ratio actually traded to an all-time high above 120, which is amazing. And then we saw a complete reversal of this in the summer. Uh, when this had cooled off, it remained around 95. And I was watching for a break of this level, which actually, when it broke, led to a, the, the rally we saw at the end of the summer. So right now, I'm, I'm sort of looking at this 70 level. This could be a signal if this breaks that we resume the uptrend in the precious metals complex. Interesting. Very interesting indeed. So you simply divide the gold price by the silver price in order to get the gold-silver ratio, right? Yes. With the benefit of hindsight, we can now say that the gold and silver markets really have gotten ahead of themselves last summer, right? So trend followers, technical traders, short-term speculators, they all started to ride the rally to record highs. So what would you say are good indicators to watch out in order to gauge if the markets have moved too fast, too far? Is there anything which provides a strong and reliable signal? This would be when I begin to look at things like technical analysis or observe what the derivative market would tell me. So from a technical analysis perspective, firstly, I would often watch the RSI, which is the relative strength index on the charts. This would tell me if the market has reached an overbought or an oversold level. However, it really only tells me that it's reached this level. There were times last year where it remained at extreme levels for extended periods of time, but I, I find it still very useful. I'm also a fan of Ichimoku cloud analysis. Uh, I find it very useful to look when a potential narrowing of a trend or a turn in direction is coming. In terms of derivative markets, I like to look at what's going on in the options market. If I see pricing skew beginning to change more for puts, suggesting lower prices or calls suggesting higher prices. I like to observe this. This uh, allows me to get a feel for which side is the weakest in terms of the market positioning. Sticking with, um, with the derivatives markets for a moment, how about the positioning in the gold futures market in New York? My experience is that extreme positioning here is a good gauge of a trend that might have been 
running too fast, too far in one or the other direction. Correct. A non-commercial gold length, that's the speculative positioning, has really been a strong indicator for metals market, for gold market. However, last year, there was a large dislocation between the COMEX futures market price and the London gold price. This was caused by the initial lockdowns that no one had really seen before. It led to uh, international flight cancellations, which affected deliveries for physical gold. So at one point, COMEX gold price traded around $85 above the London gold price for a few hours. However, this really led to a large decrease in speculation using futures. There's been a large switch for these speculative investors, such as hedge funds, have moved from trading COMEX gold to trading London gold and even moving into trading ETFs. Uh, it's still not completely settled right now. The, the rollover cost for the futures contract still remains quite high to hold a long positioning. Hence why you don't really see this stretch net length right now. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Positioning does not look uh, very extreme at the moment, uh, suggesting that prices aren't overly expensive or overly cheap at the moment. So from, from my perspective, from a research perspective, prices are about fair levels, I would say, even though this doesn't really mean that it's a good time to buy. When would you be looking to buy? Well, you know, we really see gold very much as an insurance against uh, rising risks in the economy or financial markets. So I would only buy gold if I thought that the risks were on the rise. But that's not what I see at the moment, or that's not what we re see at, at Julius Bear Research at the moment. So for us, uh, 2021 is a year where the economy, the world economy, should continue to recover from the corona crisis, uh, partly helped, of course, by the vaccination rollout. And as a consequence of that, safe haven demand should uh, fade. And for us, safe haven demand is really the most important driver of prices. What about the impact of the US dollar and US bond yields? The dollar is expected to weaken. Yields should remain low, even in negative territory after you account for inflation. Well, that that's true, right? We, we agree. We see some downside for the US dollar. Um, however, not to the extent that this should revive the gold and silver record run we've seen last year. Uh, furthermore, just looking at the US dollar to gauge where gold is going is, is too simple in our view. So gold and the dollar typically move in, in opposite directions, but the impact of the dollar on gold should not be seen in isolation. There are other elements which are influencing the gold price, uh, for example, real US bond yields. And for the past few years, gold prices have moved in lockstep with real US bond yields as an expression of a flight to safety, as an expression of a softening economic backdrop. And for next year, getting back to, to our outlook, we project this uh, continued economic recovery, which should uh, lead to rising real bond yields. And as I said before, the other consequence is that the demand for gold as a safe haven should fade as economic risks are receding. And if we take those two together, the rising real bond yields and the fading safe haven demand, they should more than offset the expected weakness of the US dollar. Absolutely. Something we haven't really talked about thus far is inflation. Gold really has a reputation as an inflation hedge, a real asset in a portfolio. Yeah, no, indeed. Uh, there is no way around inflation uh, when discussing the outlook for gold and silver, especially I think at the current point in time. If we get back to what you talked about, the, the massive stimulus measures and the money printing narrative, don't you think this should lead to inflation, thus higher gold and silver prices into the long run? Of course, this is a very simple story, right? Central banks put more money into the economy. That money needs to go somewhere. It goes into gold. It goes into equities. And that's why these assets are rising. But we generally disagree with the view 
that these massive stimulus measures uh, launched during the crisis will inevitably lead to rapidly rising inflation and the debasement of the world's paper currencies versus gold and also silver. This could happen in a few years' time, don't get me wrong, but it's not a foregone uh, conclusion. Ultimately, it will depend on the question of whether these stimulus measures will lead to a self-sustained upswing, resulting in good inflation, or if they will destroy the trust in the policymakers and thus the currencies leading to bad inflation. So we do differentiate between good inflation and bad inflation. And between those two, only bad inflation would be good for gold and silver, while good inflation, which is often also referred to as reflation, would be negative as it would further weigh on the demand for gold and silver as safe havens. It's true, yeah. So for you, 2021 will be the year of lower prices? Yes, somewhat lower prices. Um, the downside should still be limited as these uncertainties around the corona crisis prevail, as the US dollar is set to weaken, and as yields are set to remain low, even though um, they're going to rise most likely from these extreme levels. If we talk about the biggest downside risks for gold, clearly this would be a faster than expected containment of the pandemic. And as a flip side of that, of course, the biggest upside would be a revival of the corona crisis. I mean, this would lure safe haven seekers back into the market, search short-term speculators as well. And we would basically get a replay of 2020. And I don't know if if, if we want that, right? Right. <laughs> In terms of, of wild cards, bullish wild cards, how about China? How do you see that market? Yeah, interesting. I fully agree. China is a bit of a wild card. Local Chinese prices now, actually this week, uh, are trading at a small premium to international prices. So this really could show that there has been pent-up demand in China. And now we are also leading up to the Lunar New Year in a few weeks' time. Um, this could also show that the onshore stockpile in China has finally been run down, and they may now return to being a strong importer again. This is definitely worth watching. And I think it's something which the market is not uh, not really anticipating at the moment, right? How about the other, um, the other Asian gold powerhouse? How about India? What, what's going on there? Yeah, historically, another country with deep, deep love for gold. Indian gold demand has returned in strong fashion since around October. This could also be just uh, pent-up demand, but also some seasonality for Indian wedding season after they came out of the very harsh lockdowns. With India also, there's the second-guessing element to what future government legislation could be on the gold market. Right now, there is talk of increased import duty from 125 to, I think, 15%. So this could be adding to a little flurry of recent demand. Yes, indeed. So proving demand out of China and India would certainly be helpful for for gold, as well as, uh, let's say, a general recovery of the emerging market economies, because many of them are uh, big jewelry consumers and demand has been suffering in recent years because their currencies have been quite weak versus the US dollar. Yes. And now the greenback is falling on a broad basis against their currencies. So increasing the attractiveness of gold for them. True. However, I'm, I'm not so sure if this story will fully unfold in, in 2021 already, because for this year, um, I would say that the gold market's focus should very much remain on the consequences of the corona crisis. So if you really are able to leave this crisis behind, investors should find better buying opportunities in the gold market at a later stage. Do you agree? Yes, I would agree with this. Uh, it still feels to me there is a pandemic premium built into the current price. Yeah, true. Even a move towards 1700 would still see the price remain in the long-term bull trend. It's not forget that gold ended 2020 barely at $1,800. This is quite a distance from the highs we saw in the mid-year. So another significant drop in prices would likely attract 
fresh buying interest from those investors who maybe felt they missed the chance to buy. So what's our bottom line then as we are approaching the end of this podcast? Well, most likely 2021 will not be a replay of 2020 in terms of gold and also silver price performance. For us, silver should very much move in gold slipstream. It should not develop its own market dynamics. And overall, we think that a consolidation with some price weakness looks more likely than a revival of last year's record run. True. But I think investors should certainly not forget about gold, especially with those who see much more risk on the horizon than us. Yeah, that's that's true as well, Chris. Thanks very much uh, for your insights. Thank you, Carson. And thanks as well to all the listeners for tuning in. See you again next time. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.